Welcome to the Lead with Empathy podcast. I am your host, Holly Logan, and here we are going to have meaningful and hopefully some fun conversations about motherhood, parenthood, illness, disease, physical and mental wellness, nutrition, and beyond. And as the title implies, we lead here with empathy. With that said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about balancing motherhood. I did a podcast on balancing motherhood solo. And as I said, I was not the best at this. I struggled with finding that balance because I wanted to do it all, both being a great employee and a great mother. And I struggled with that. I just couldn't do both. So I was excited to talk to Carrie today and pick her brain about this to give you some real advice from someone who helps coach women with these struggles. Carrie is a mom to two kids in Washington State with East Coast roots and her professional background is in corporate human resources. She became a stay-at-home mom, but then also felt this pull to fulfill her purpose, and that's where coaching came into her life. As she talks about, she did a lot of coaching in corporate human resources, but then she was able to pivot it and really focus it on being a mother and what that can mean for someone coming in or out of the workforce. Now she has her own business and specializes in working with these moms navigating transitions in and out of the workforce and helping women to strike that balance of motherhood, career, and self. Carrie is another example of why I wanted to create this podcast to bring women like her to you that can give you confidence, give you tangible tips and ideas about elevating your life and finding that light in motherhood and your purpose. I hope this is particularly helpful if you are making big pivots in your life, you're thinking about making big pivots in your life, whether that's coming in and out of work, being a stay-at-home parent, or whichever chapter you find yourself. She is just another person that I hope to stay connected with for a long time, and all of her details will be linked in the show notes. With that said, welcome Carrie to Lead with Empathy. Welcome, Carrie, to the Lead with Empathy podcast. I gave my audience an intro, but I know you love talking about your experience with leaving a high potential corporate job to become a stay-at-home mom. So let's start there, why you left, what it was like, and what led you to this business today. Super. Thanks so much, Holly, for having me. I love being here to talk with you and just kind of chat with all the women who are listening. It's exciting. So thanks. So yes, my journey to become a coach, a professional coach for working women and also women who are looking to kind of get back into the workforce really comes from my own experience. So ultimately, I was on a HR career path. So my professional background is in human resources, although I had a very brief stint in finance very early on. And I worked in HR at a small healthcare company, then got my MBA and then continued to work in HR. So I was certainly committed to that field. And when I started at Adobe, I was working in the organizational development team, managing projects such as the annual performance reviews, key talent review, employee survey, and the like. I then transitioned to become the chief of staff for the head of HR. So in addition to becoming her right-hand kind of gal, I also led a team of internal consultants. And that's when I really fell in love with coaching at a very like informal level because I was supporting my team one-on-one all the time. And of course, supporting them on their projects, but I loved having more of those conversations around like, what do you really want to do in your life? Like, how does this job fit in with the big picture? Those conversations really energized me. I had my first child in 2014, Evelyn. And this is where I really struggled, honestly, Holly, because here I was, I was on this corporate career and I was you know, having great success in my career. And my dream had always been to be a stay-at-home mom as well. So I had both of these sides to me and I can talk so confidently and kind of with poise about it now. But I must say in that moment, I was like freaking out. And there was a lot of conversations with my husband, a lot of like questions in my head. What should I do? What do I want to do? All this stuff. 
And I did ultimately choose to become a stay-at-home mom. And it was an incredibly wonderful experience, the absolutely right decision for us. It was exciting, inspiring, amazing. We lived abroad for a couple of years. So it also just really worked out well that we had a stay-at-home parent at the time. But I think I'm not unlike other moms out there. You know, after a couple of years, I was like, okay, what's, what's next for me? I was kind of starting to lose that drive, that purpose. And that's when I hired my own coach. So I hired my own coach, which was pivotal for me because it helped me gain that clarity of what I wanted to do, which ultimately was becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own coaching business. So HR to stay-at-home mom to coaching. And here I am today supporting other women. It's so funny too. I wrote down the word theme as you were talking because it's been the theme of some of my interviews with different women is this theme of having dreams corporate or otherwise. You know, for me, it was I went to college. I was a nurse, nurse practitioner, dream of helping people. But then you have a child and it does kind of change for some of us, not everyone. And that's okay too. It makes us question, how do we have both worlds? And I think a lot of women will resonate with that because I know friends who have a hard time finding that balance. And then, uh, of course, financially, it's a huge decision too. But for you, why I find it interesting too, is you were at a very high corporate job and then becoming a stay-at-home mom. I know for me, when I left being a nurse practitioner, the part of the reason I left is environment, but stress all the time, constant high levels of stress between balancing being a mother, sick kids, being a provider, which means you're canceling on patients, which is every person's job is important. It was just a little different. When you have to cancel patients, it's it's hard. So I was going from functioning at a different full capacity to being a stay-at-home mom and having to slow down. I almost felt like I was recovering from a marathon and just at a high level of stress all the time. It was like I was coming down from this high level of stress all the time. And I then I started to question myself, like, did I just waste years of my life? Why did I even go to school? It's like a weird identity crisis. So what was it like for you? And is that something you hear from other women who come to you for your coaching as well? Oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. I, I so remember this, Holly. I really I remember like I think maternity leave. Well, it could have started with the maternity leave, as I'm thinking. It was, you know, it's three weeks before I had the baby. And I remember I like went completely off, you know, like out of the office, like I'm not checking anything. And I just remember sitting there on the couch, like reading this baby book. And it was really hard just to stay sitting and just to like to read the book. You know, it was like really hard to do that because I'd been on the go, on the go, go, go. So when I then became a stay-at-home mom, you know, the maternity leave ended and then I let them know I wasn't going to come back, became a stay-at-home mom. The biggest thing for me was like second guessing myself. Like, did I do the right thing? Should I have stayed your hormones are going crazy too. So it was just a really tricky time. I really struggled with, did I make that right decision or not? And am I letting people down? That was, you know, am I letting oh, my my staff down? Am I letting my people around me down? That was a hard thing for me course. too. There was a certain kind of expectation, I think, that, you know, I had for myself in my career and perhaps other people had for me as well. And so then when that shifts, it's just tricky to kind of navigate through. For sure. I found that when I became a stay-at-home mom, what was really key for me was putting in routines, but also to like put back in those senses of accomplishment. You know, of course, you're like raising this human being. So that is the biggest sense of accomplishment of all. But I don't know, there's something about like checking things off the list and just getting things done on a day-to-day basis that for me, I really needed as a stay-at-home mom as being like a very driven person. And like, I remember, you know, one day I was able to prepare the meals or one day I was able to like sweep the floors. That was like huge, right? Like check, check, check. 
for me, I remember the first few months kind of telling my husband that I'm in this state of recovery. And so I was yeah. not, I was actually craving not having the routine because we were oh, okay. certain days, you know, it was like three days a week or so. My husband and I would get in fights in the morning on the way to the car because of timing and stress. And like, he has patience, I have patience. And mm -hmm. so we actually like, there was a time I, I didn't have a schedule because I had been so glued to that schedule that it, in not a good way. I think some women really find that balance of a good schedule that works for them. It didn't work for me. And mm -hmm. especially with commutes and things like that. And it's also just not what I deeply wanted. And I think that's mm -hmm. the difference too. There are women who they want that career and they're driven for that with the family and it's okay to have both. It's just not what it what it did for me. So that's where the identity crisis I yes, think came in. I yeah. And, and you know, the thing about the identity, I, I see this a lot with a lot of the women I work with. It's like when you have a baby, you you just don't know what's going to happen, right? Like I've seen those women who are like, I am definitely going back to work. Like I am going to have my maternity leave and then I'm going back and I've hired a nanny and all this stuff. They're driven to do that. And then they have their baby and they're like, oh my gosh, no, I don't know about this. I don't want to go back. And then there's those women who say, okay, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. And then they become a stay-at-home mom and are like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I actually need my career to be a better mom. And so you never know. You just never, never know. And I think also looking back to that time when I was making that decision, Holly, the people I had to talk to were my husband, friends and family. And that was wonderful. Like I had that support system, but I always remember in that period of time wishing I had like a neutral person that wasn't my husband, wasn't my friends and family, and also wasn't HR. Because, you know, this was a decision I actually couldn't really discuss openly, fully openly with HR. And so that's really the space I'm trying to create for my clients is that person, that space that's not your partner and not that not HR, to talk through this identity crisis that you might be having, to talk through all these shoulds, to talk through all these questions and all the turmoil that might be going on in your head. Yeah, because there's a lot of like you you give that neutrality because I remember, I mean, I was getting I was getting the same thing. Like I only used my own story to teach. And so like my husband, of course, was supportive, but it took like it was big financial decisions. Both of our mothers were stay at home mothers. So, of course, yeah. they were supportive. But then I had certain providers I worked with that were so supportive. But then I had others who were not like, why did you even bother like coming here to work? Or why did you even bother becoming a nurse practitioner if you were just going to come be a stay at home mom? And then I'd have patients that I was tolling I was leaving and they were crying and I'm like, mm -hmm. they, you know, I don't want to abandon people. You know, it's just it is difficult. We we make these big decisions, but ultimately it, it is all about us and our family and it doesn't make an easy decision. So how do you help moms understand and find their purpose? Because as someone who, again, I went to school, we spent all this money, right? And then you contemplate how you're actually going to like, do you use that degree? I have so many friends who have pivoted, made huge pivots in their life. I have a friend who was like a dietitian and now does real estate, which I love to see those pivots. But how do you help moms explore and make this transition? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like to say, you know, with degrees first, like degrees don't necessarily inform what you can do. And they also don't necessarily inform what you should do. So that's something that often comes up with people. But yeah, how do I help women with this? Well, I say the first thing that I always like to just share, and it kind of builds upon what you mentioned before about neutrality. What I like to say about coaching is it's like this container of space just for you. And I think this is not something that can like be overstated enough because as moms, we're giving space to so, so many people around us. So first, just 
just to have a container of space for you where you come with a neutral coach just for you. You're not having to do anything for anybody else. The coach is like holding you, like holding you up, standing for you. That is incredible because I experienced it firsthand where my coach asked me like, well, what do you really want, Carrie? And then I say something, then they'll be like, no, no, no. what do you really, really want? <laughs> right? Because we're so good at like kind of often saying what maybe people want to hear. Or it, we haven't had a necessarily a chance to vocalize what we really want. So I think that's, that's first. I create that container space where people can be super, super honest. And I, I allow them to by asking them certain questions to have them look at things in different ways. I think it's okay. And I make this very clear ultimately with my clients in the beginning too, that it's okay to be changing your mind as you go throughout life. It is okay. And we're human and we evolve and our our passions evolve and our commitments can evolve too. And so one of the things I talk a lot about with my clients is like, what is your highest level commitment? And that might be very different before having a child and then after having a child. Maybe it's the same, but it also could be very different. So kind of up-leveling, like if you are standing on a ladder 10 feet above and you look down at your life, what is your highest level commitment? Like really getting people to think kind of elevated like that is something I do to create that perspective. Another thing I do very early on with my clients, um, helping them navigate these transitions is we do an exercise to help them identify their essence or otherwise known as like their highest and best qualities. And this is always really, really transformational for people because as mom and as, as women, we, we do a lot of things, right? We go, 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 we do, do, do. But the question really is like, who do you want to be about it? And so how do you want to be showing up? How do you want to be showing up for yourself? How do you want to show up for your coworkers? How do you want to show up for your family? And having those conversations really helps people. So I say all that because that is very important with the coaching I do to really kind of get that perspective. There's certainly the nuts and bolts and kind of like, okay, how are we going to create a project plan around getting you from point A to point B? And we do that as well. But I think it's so important for women to actually just stop and pause and like just check in with what they really want on the highest level. That was very eloquently put. So one thing that I wrote down was you had said like elevated life. And you know, one thing, one thing that was really hard for my husband and I is finding this balance of elevated life, debt, and wealth, and what wealth looks like for us. So when we think about wealth, we're not looking at specific numbers. I think people can live a wealthy life and not have X, Y, or Z. But for us, well, we have really looked at it like a starting of a generational wealth, meaning his grandparents were very poor and on both sides. And then they worked through a career and then their kids, you know, his dad worked and has worked at the same place for 40 years, I think now. And his mother was a stay-at-home parent for some time, but then transitioned back to work. On my side, we had son of an immigrant and teenage pregnancy and kind of, and then my parents worked really hard. And then it was kind of put in our heads. We have to go to, not put in our heads, but like this idea that if you go to college, you'll have a better life. And what we've kind of come to understand or had to kind of pivot with is finding that balance of like, what is wealth to you? Because it's not just about a specific number. And when you pivot in your life or like you're looking at a career, are you looking to become more comfortable and have money to travel the world? Or are you just looking to be comfortable? And I think that word has such a bad rap because it's when I say wealth, I think people are thinking like wealthy people, millionaires, billionaires, etc. And for us, that's not the goal. It's living a wealthy life 
there is comfort there. Obviously, we have, you know, we are privileged in that way of what we do for careers, but this has been a generational thing that has been building and what we want for our kids. And I only say that because I think it's a really important thing for people to think about, especially mothers and what they want their life, their kids' life. What you said that, what I want out of life, our highest qualities. You can live your purpose and be not as quote unquote wealthy, but live a wealthy life. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I love that. Wow. And that is, that's such a great example of like getting that elevation. And I, the question that kept, that came to mind when you were sharing that is like, like, what do you really want to create in your life? You know, and if you or if anyone else is looking to create wealth, then okay, what does that really mean? What does that look like for you? And thinking about with jobs as well, you know, one thing I encourage people to do is don't like look at the job descriptions first. Start actually with what do you really want to create for yourself in this next step? What do you need out of a job? What do you need from the culture? What do you need from a work standpoint? What do you need from kind of a hour standpoint? Kind of writing down almost like specific considerations for a job that for what you need before you even start looking. And so it's asking those questions like, what does wealth mean to me? What, what do we need to create in our life to have wealth? Same with the job. What does having a fulfilling job mean to me? What do I need to create in this job that will align with what I need? Sometimes it is health insurance. Sometimes it is like I'm, I need to work to have health insurance for my family, but it's okay to also then as that comfort, you know, are there ways that you can pivot in your life to live a wealthier life? And then how can I also make sure that I'm living my best purpose, whether that's creatively? I mean, I know people who work high corporate jobs who sell T-shirts on the side because that's how they also express their creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Like, And it all is so unique to us, right? Like wealth looks like one thing to you could look like one thing to someone else. Same with like balance and integration and personal time. And that's why it's just, there's never one size fits all, right? Like there could be that woman who is working crazy hours and perhaps that is her commitment. Like she needs and wants to do that. And you never know what's going on at home, like with how she's spending time, quality time with her kids. Like there's never one size fits all, right? And everybody has a different kind of ideal intersection between motherhood, career, and self. And you could be a really high-functioning, high-corporate job, but be extremely present with the time you have with your kids. Or you could be a stay-at-home parent, even though you're home with your kids all day long, not getting quality time because you're also not maybe fulfilling some purpose. And I felt like that was me. I was in this stage of like, I know that there are other ways that I can serve others. And so when mm -hmm. I felt like when I was with my kids, I wasn't present mm -hmm. all the time. And so that's, oh. so you told me you like to talk about also overcoming limiting beliefs and spring cleaning the mind, which I've never oh, yeah. used, heard that before. So I do yeah. think as mothers, I think as mothers, we limit ourselves to what we can do and what we can achieve. And I personally think a lot of that is how motherhood is kind of viewed in our society, mm -hmm. that it's purely, purely hard and draining, which I try not to lead with that in my mind. Of course, I love that people like to normalize a lot of the hard aspects mm -hmm. of motherhood and that it can be difficult. But at the same time, I don't want people to lead their life thinking that motherhood is draining and then and we'll just normalize that. Can you expand on what you mean by well, first overcoming limiting beliefs and then mm -hmm. what, um, as a busy mom and then what you mean by spring cleaning your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So limiting belief. So like I like to describe a limiting belief. It's like it's a state of mind or this conviction or belief, right, that you think to be true that limits you in some way. So it's that like thought about yourself 
or it's your thought about your own circumstances that just like lurks in the background. And ultimately, whether we realize it or not, it informs the choices that we make. And it might convince you, you might not be good enough in some area. So here are some examples of limiting beliefs my clients might say, like, I'm bad with numbers. I can't apply for that job. Or, you know, I'm getting too late in my career or too far down one career path to make a change. Or, you know, if I become a stay-at-home mom, I'm never going to be able to go back to work again. You know, or I don't have enough time or, you know, I've tried before and failed. I'm going to fail again. Like those are examples of just, these are things we might not even say out loud, but they're like, they're lurking there. And so what I do a lot with my clients is I have these like three breakouts you can almost have with yourself to explore these limiting beliefs. And the first breakout is called getting insights. The second is gaining perspective. And the third is creating a new narrative. Because one of the things that's so true in coaching and what I do is like the past is a super important and it's context and it comes up all the time. And my belief is that we can create what you want in the here and now in the future. Okay, so if someone's having a limiting belief, the first thing we do is then we get insight. And, you know, we kind of identify like, okay, what's what's going on right now that's causing you to feel challenged or stuck? Okay. And then what are you believing in this situation that's making you feel stuck? That's making this so difficult. And then even just getting present to where this limiting belief might be coming from. So first is it's actually identifying, oh, I'm stuck and I'm stuck because I'm thinking this. Okay. That's like, let's get some insight on it. And then the next thing I do in the second breakout of gaining perspective is become investigators. Is this limiting belief or thought that you have, is this a fact or is it an interpretation, right? Like just really getting clear about that. You know, is, do you have evidence to disprove this? In 99% of the time, right? Like these limiting beliefs are interpretations, right? They're interpretations that we have in our heads. We then become clear, like the consequences, right? Like when you really think about it, if, if like, if you have that belief, like I'm bad with numbers and you know, Larry, they could, we, we, it comes from somewhere, you know, but it's totally an interpretation on that with numbers. You just kind of get super clear. Is this holding you back or is this propelling you forward? Like clearly it's holding you back, right? And there's consequences of holding on to this. And it's really impossible for you to do things when you hold on to this belief. So we really just, I mean, we gain perspective. We gain perspective. And then the third breakout, which is the most powerful one, and this is something you can do in so many situations in your life. You create a new narrative. So for each limiting belief, what is a new belief that you want to declare for yourself? And then what becomes possible? What are you going to feel when this new possibility exists? And what is one action you can take from that possibility? So that's what I like to do with my clients. Identify the limiting belief, get insight, gain perspective, and then create a new narrative. And it's incredible. You could do that in just like even like five to 10 minutes, just like shift the brain in moving forward in a different way. I think of, well, have you read Atomic Habits? That's what I was kind of thinking. No, I have not read that. Oh my good, James Clear. I'm in the middle of it. And and, and you, sh- you okay. need to write that down because it's some of the things that you're saying or I think would resonate with your coaching and your clients. But I was also thinking, I've heard this quote, I was trying to think of exactly what it said, but you'll always be stuck in the story you tell yourself. And so I'm even thinking like people who say, I'll never be healthy. Well, yeah, if you tell yourself you're never going to be healthy, then you're never going to be healthy. It's the same as like, if you're like, I'm never going to be happy in my job, you'll probably never be happy in your job. If you tell yourself you're never going to be happy in your job. So say you are stuck in your job, 
because it gives you the money you need for your family, puts food on the table. It gives you health insurance. How can you even pivot that mindset of I can be happy in this job if I make X, Y, or Z changes? Or I know that if I stay within this job for X amount of time, I will get to the place that I need to be. And I've I've had friends, family who want to become stay-at-home parents. And I always tell them, my husband and I always had conversation of we're not here yet, but these are the steps that we're taking to be where we want to be. And it's changing that narrative in your head that even if it takes two months, two years, four years, 10 years, if you pivot your mind a little bit, stop telling yourself the story that it'll never happen because then it will never happen. So I loved that you said that. That totally resonates. Yeah. Yeah, And I I can definitely see how Holly, all the work you're doing that makes so much sense how people have these stories in their head and the work you're doing to help them create their own new narratives. And I think mindset is something that it's almost, you know, 20 years ago, I was like, oh, mindset, you know, meditation, personal development, like everyone thinks of just Oprah. And but there is so much to be said for just taking like using someone like yourself, who's a coach, who's a mentor, and how you can flip and change your mindset to be where you want to be in five, 10 years. So go to the spring cleaning your mind. Yeah. Though. Like when I think of spring cleaning around here, it's like, okay, I'm going to take one part of the house, like the playroom, and I'm going to purge everything that we don't need. I'm going to put stuff in storage. I'm going to have a keep pile. And so what I do is is kind of a play on that. So I first have people identify various aspects of their life as if they're identifying various rooms of their house. Okay, so you've got family, you've got your relationships, you've got work, you have money, you have fun and leisure. Like these are all different areas of your life. So then I say, okay, when we do spring cleaning, we pick one room in the house, probably to start. We're not going to spring clean the whole house immediately. So pick one room in the house. So pick one area of your life. Okay. So you pick an area of your life. And the first thing we do is we like literally do that purging activity, right? So what do you want to keep? Like, what are the things in this area of your life? Let's say it's work. What are the things in the area of your working life that are going well, that you want to say yes to? Like what's going to stay in this keep pile? What are the successes you can celebrate? What are the new habits that are going well? And then you've got the purge or the donate pile, right? What are you going to say no to, okay, with your work? What are you going to say? What do you need to let go of? What's the shoulds you've been telling yourself about work? You know, what has been holding you back? That's like the donate purge pile. And then you have the storage pile. These are the things you're just maybe not sure of yet. Like, do I want to stay at this job forever? I don't know. Or, you know, this new project I'm on, I'm not quite sure if it's going to motivate me or demotivate me. You know, I'm just, I'm still figuring this out. So we do this like fun, like exercise like that. And then from there, it's all about then in this area of your life, in this example, I'm walking through work, first setting a vision of what you want it to look like moving forward. What do you want this new room in your house? What do you want this new area of your life to look like? We create a vision, um, set an intention. And then from there, it's creating actions on how you want to move forward and creating support and accountability. So it's just a really fun way to walk through it. I've done this for like in the springtime with spring cleaning, of course, but then I've also done it actually at back to school time. I did this fun workshop for moms in September. It was called like back to school for moms because I don't know about you, like my kids, when they get their new backpack and all their new school supplies, it's so fresh. It's like, oh my gosh, moms, we need that too. Like we need a fresh start. Like that would be so fun. So I do something similar, very similar where it's like, okay, here's your brand new backpack, mom. Here's your brand new backpack. Like, what do you want to keep? Like, what are the things you're going to bring to school? The first day, the brand new pencil, the brand new this or that. Like not literally, but you know, like what are the areas of your life that you want to keep? Anyways, it's, it's a fun activity. It works great in workshops. So I do a lot of workshops with this. Oh, cool. And I mean, I, I think a lot of people could do that at home journaling. I used to balk 
at mm-hmm. journaling because I think journaling was like, mm-hmm. again, I'm not, I don't express myself necessarily creativity in some ways, but I, I think you can start to look at those areas of your life, even through journaling, because journaling mm-hmm. is that neutrality, right? Your journal's not going to talk back to you. So you're just going to yeah. be start to kind of write down these thoughts. And when you were talking, I was thinking about New Year's resolutions. I've never been a New Year's resolution person. My husband and I, we evaluate pretty much constantly, but I would say at least even every quarter of what we want the next year at this time to look like. And I think too many people look at like, I can only do this once a year. Like I can only spring clean the mine in, you know, in, in May. But I love that you're even saying like, okay, in September. Uh, so I spring clean my mind in, in the spring and then summer flies by. And then in September, my I'm going to make these transitions or I need to purge again. And that may mean physically and mentally. Like uh, we do purges of like, I okay, does this item serve any purpose in my life? No, then it's probably time to donate it or get rid of it because it's not serving us. But we are constantly looking at like financial goals. You know, what are we looking at for this time next year or health goals are how this past three months? Have we been taking care of ourselves like we promised we would? That's what I was thinking of when you said uh, spring cleaning the mind and knowing that it can happen constantly. Or like every month or when we, ours always happen on long car rides and when the kids are asleep. Yes. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah. For me and my husband, it's when we go on walks, <laughs> like mm-hmm. when we're out in nature on hikes, that's when we have the best conversations. Yeah. And I feel like that movement in itself kind of brings out. But even if someone's struggling to find their purpose with their partner or have those conversations, sometimes it's not going to happen sitting in front of the couch. It's going to be, let's go for a walk. And then those conversations just start to flow. And that's for us when we have those moments. It's usually when we're driving. And for some reason, that's when the conversation sometimes flow. So. And I wanted to give you a moment too. So you said, do you do workshops often or is that just for your coaching clients? I have a couple partnerships that I have with a couple groups. Like I'm partnering with a group that actually helps women transition back into the workforce after they've had a break. And this group does a lot of the sport with the resume and cover letters and interviewing tactics. But then I support them with coaching in a way that's complementary to that, right? The whole thing oh, we cool. talk, what do you really want to do, et cetera. I also just do workshops like through my own business, through Carrie Carvalho Coaching. So I post about those on my Facebook and Instagram and they're free. You know, the the back to school workshop one was free for for moms because I love bringing people together. I love bringing people together in community. And there's just so much magic that happens when you get women together. You don't even have to know each other. You just get together and you have this conversation. And especially if you're moms, like, because that's my thing. I love working with moms. There's immediately, like immediately there's stuff that people relate with. I mean, look at me and you, we've just, we met through email and here we are. And I feel like we've connected on a lot of levels with that. You're right, because there is just something innately about being a mother. Where you're a stay-at-home parent work, if we were both working, there are things that you can connect on. And going off of that, you mentioned you like to help women think about choosing to come from a different place other than the automatic. I'm interested. So what what do you mean by that? Because I think I know what you mean, but I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, this this is fascinating. As women, we, well, as humans, right? We have, we have our fears and then we have like this protective shell we put around ourselves to prevent our fears from coming out. And we ultimately go about our days kind of going around in a circle. Like maybe we're feeling fearful of something and then we're feeling super happy about something. And then we go back into our automatic ways of being. Like we have this way that our thoughts work. And then this is like totally summarizing it. It's a longer process, but the whole idea is that we've had ways in our past that we've always showed up. We've had ways of being in work, in our home life that have just become our automatic. 
it's become our automatic. And when we really look at that deeply, it's likely because we're kind of, we're trying to prevent some fear from coming out. But in any event, we have this automatic way of being, okay? And there's nothing wrong about it. In fact, it actually has served us quite well, right? We've gotten places like in our automatic ways of being, it's gotten us success, it's gotten us progress. And the invitation that I have with my clients is that there can be a different place to come from. And this is that essence. This is like the highest and best qualities that you have. Um, when you come from a different place, it's that mindset shift and you're able to just look at a situation from a different lens and, and bring a different part of you forward. A great example. So here's how I'd like describe it, like even me personally, right? Because this is something I, I work on. So I think one of my automatic ways of being is like, go, go, go get stuff done, like multitask, go, 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 you know, like, and be very efficient and be very, very productive. There's nothing wrong with that. It's gotten me a lot of success. You know, it's worked well. And if we take breakfast with my kids, so I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Okay. I can approach breakfast with my kids coming from that space of go, 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 being super efficient. So I'm like unloading the dishwasher and putting toast in the toaster and then getting the jam. And it's like, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. The kids are getting fed. They're going to get off the school, et cetera. The invitation is to consider what is, is there a different place to come from? And so for me, my essence, part of my highest and best qualities is connection. It's being like radiant. It's being loving. It's having this like warm energy. These are part of my essence that I learned with my own coach. And so the invitation is if I am at breakfast with my kids and if I am intentionally saying, I'm going to come from a place of connection, the experience is so much different. Like the experience is so much different for me. And the experience is so much different for the kids. And at the end of the day, I'm still getting the toast and the toaster. I'm still getting the jam. I'm still doing the dishwasher, but I'm coming from a different place. And so that's what I mean about it. Like yeah, that, that's our automatic what ways of being can be great for us and, and, and like consider a different place to come from that's more meaningful. I think it's going back to that auditing, your spring cleaning of even your habits. I figure that's what you're talking about. Like when I think about sometimes in the morning, same with you. Okay, get up, start breakfast, do the dishwasher while the kids are eating. That is the efficiency side of me. I call it puttering. I'm like a go, go, go. Oh, while they're doing this, I can change over the laundry. But sometimes I have to catch myself and say, you know what, Holly, if you also just sat with your kids while they ate breakfast and said, this is what even verbalizing, sometimes I'll sit and be like, when you guys are done, I'm going to do the dishwasher while you play and you can choose to do X, Y, or Z while I do the dishwasher. And then we're going to get ready for our day. And I feel like that is not a deep, meaningful conversation with a five and a four-year-old, but it is a moment of connection versus them just seeing their mother go, go, go. Like, oh, she's always doing dishes, always whatever. I mean, it's literally taking five minutes to sit with them. Like it's the automatic of like, oh, well, I have to change over the laundry and I need to do the, and of course those things are important. And if I believe in efficiency and all those things as well. But as parents, it's also okay to audit those moments and say, what's, um, it, are my kids going to remember? Like, it doesn't matter in five years that my dishes are done at exactly eight o'clock. That's what I also tell myself in those, you know, in five years, it's not going to matter. But in five years, my kids may remember that each morning I took five minutes to sit with them to eat mm -hmm. breakfast and talk about their day. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one of the things I read in an article years ago was like when the kids come home from school, you know, you always want to ask them like, oh, how was your day? What did you do? What did you learn? All this stuff. I heard this article that said, you know, the most meaningful thing you can do is literally just sit with them while they're having their snack for 20 minutes. And you don't even actually have to say anything. You just like let them talk. You like let them drive the whole conversation. And I really try to do that. And it's actually very, it's calming for me too. It, you know, at first it's like, oh, if you want to do something, but no, 
when you just sit and just just be, just be with them, that they feel that connection. They feel your presence and they and feel have, like you're not running around. Yeah. And I've had a conversation with someone in our life that is like high level, different, diff, completely different level than us in the financial world. And it's interesting to even hear her who is at again, just a whole different level, but her children are now in middle school. And she's like, I crave that now my boys are getting older. And so I need those moments, even if it is like 20 minutes to step away from my work or whatever it is. So that way I can have those moments. And I believe you can have those moments at three o'clock when they're coming off the bus. You can have them at seven o'clock where you're all sitting down for dinner or whatever that is. So you mentioned this already that you have a Facebook group and in social media, but I wanted to give you a moment to talk about what you offer, where to find you, Facebook, Instagram, all those things. And then I think we're also going to include something um, in the show notes for everyone as well. But I just wanted to give you a moment to kind of talk about yourself. Well, absolutely. Yes. Thank you again, Holly. This has been such a fun conversation. So where to find me? I'm on Instagram. It will be, it's Carrie underscore Cravalo underscore coaching. My website is CravaloCoaching.com. So those are two places to find me. Facebook, I'm super active on Facebook. And so at the time of this recording, my Facebook group isn't live yet, but I'm super hoping that it is when this comes out. So okay, the, awesome. the Facebook group is going to be called the Motherhood and Career Club. And Motherhood and Career Club, ultimately a place other than HR or your partner to go to. So that's going to be just a place of community, a place for women to come together, to support each other, stand for each other with anything related to motherhood, career and self. And I'm so the way I work with people is I always meet with people, you know, for like a 15 to 30 minute fitting call just to kind of get to know them, to see if we're fit, to see where they are in their life journey. And I'm super honest with people, like if they're looking for something and I don't offer that, I really stand for them and support them in finding what they need. So I always do a fitting call and I'd be totally happy to do that with anybody who's listening here. I will include that link. We can just jump on a call and get to know each other. And then the way I work with people is either one-on-one or in small groups. So one-on-one coaching, it's either four times a month or two times a month. And each session is one hour. And then in between the sessions, I offer unlimited email support, spot coaching. And the invitation with the coaching is to, again, to consider it that container of space. I, I never, ever tell my clients what to do. I really want them to create their own answers. I just, I just love being able to ask those powerful, curious questions to help them develop their own ahas. If group coaching is of interest to you, um, I'm going to be having a new group starting in Q1. It's called Getting an Edge, and it's going to be for moms. This is a whole concept of personal leadership that I talk a lot about, too, in my in my work. Whereas as women leaders, whether you're a leader in the home or a leader in your career, you have the inner hidden side of leadership, but then you have the outer side of leadership, too. And so if this is a group coaching program. It'll be three months and it'll be a combination of a group session and one on one sessions with me, too. Cool. So, yeah, just Happy to connect with you and just be be a source in any way for anyone listening. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Yeah, this was wonderful. You mentioned connection several times and that's why we're here for connection. And I feel like there are so many people that are going to connect with you today. So thank you again so much for, for meeting me today. Thank you for listening in today. And I hope you'll be back. Stay curious, stay humble, and always lead with empathy. Please also take a moment to share this episode with someone, this podcast, write a review or comment on my latest Instagram post at hollylogan underscore help. Thank you. Have an awesome day.